0: You sit surrounded by, and are part of, a series of bizarre similarities and contrasts. To your right hangs your boar-headed devil, defeated and imprisoned by your mystic might. You both float within the chamber's tranquility, well aware of the mad frenzy occurring beyond its walls. You reflect on the parallels and differences, and despite the seriousness of the situation, you smile. Or are you not, Doctor Strange? My name is Conrad, and welcome to
1: the 16th episode of Stranger by the Dozen a weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Doctor Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, 12 issues at a time. This week, I'd like to welcome Drew back to the show. Welcome back,
0: man. Yeah, constantly recurring uh,
1: guest host. Hey, I appreciate all guest hosts, especially the ones who recur, and they all have, so it works out. <laughs> you can find this show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on any fine podcast app. You can contact the podcast at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com. On Twitter at Stranger By The Twelve, that's Stranger By The One Two, On Tumblr at StrangerByTheDozen.tumblr.com, Dozen dot tumblr dot com, or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Stranger By The Dozen. Give the show a five star review, and I'll read the review on the air. And this week we do have a review. What? Yeah, it's crazy. Sith Duck writes, "I like this podcast. It's five stars. I like this podcast, and Conrad is a great host. Thank you, Sith Duck. Appreciate the review." If you want to read along with the podcast this week, only the first Doctor Strange can be found on Marvel Unlimited. Otherwise, these issues can be found in Essential Doctor Strange Volume 3, Essential Ghost Rider Volume 2, and Essential Defenders Volume 3. So just to recap from last episode, after being stripped of his title as Sorcerer Supreme, Doctor Strange and Claya were attacked by the evil wizard Xander, who was in the employ of a bunch of other wizards called the Creators. The two were separated, Dr. Strange and Clea, with Clea losing her memory. While looking for Clea, Dr. Strange was accidentally pulled into the magical dimension of Phase world. Meanwhile, Clea was arrested, but used her magic to kill her prison cellmate and escape from prison. So let's get to the issues. We start with Dr. Strange number 22. From April 1977, mind trip. Marv Wolfman, writer-editor. Rudy Nebraz, artist. Irving Wansanabe, letterer. Michelle Wolfman, colorist. So this issue takes place following the events of the Doctor Strange Annual. And we join Stephen Strange falling through space, as he usually does. Yeah, he does that a whole lot. You know, it happens. Following an encounter with a space dragon, who's sort of a, a pterodactyl with both eye and mouth beat. Um, Dr. Strange returns to Earth and finds that Clea is still missing. Meanwhile, in downtown New York, Clea has amnesia and is on the loose. Oh, no. It's bad. She's confronted by cops and city folk. She summons giant snakes and sewer monsters to protect herself. It's pretty awesome, actually. And not really out of flavor for
0: downtown New York, anyway, so it's fine. Shots
1: fired. <laughs> <laughs> um... Dr. Strange generally keeps the shadows of society, so it is a, it, it is really cool sort of seeing wizards kick butt magically just sort of out in the open, you know? Meanwhile, looking on, on the destruction is a young woman with yellow skin who's kind of weird. Anyhow, uh, eventually, Dr. Strange finds Cleia, and since she doesn't remember him because of the amnesia, they have a huge wizard fight. There's sewer tentacles summoned out of the sewer grates. Uh... Kleia summons a warrior who cannot die, and there's a lot of battling back and forth. In the end, though, Doctor Strange is able to enter into Kleia's brain and find some sort of demon tumor that's growing in there. He blasts it out, and is okay. All right. Yeah, after some quick magic to fix all the damage to the city and, of course, brainwash everyone, it's time, it's, uh, it's time to head back to the sanctum. Meanwhile, uh, the yellow-skinned girl resolves to talk to either clay or Doctor Strange. It's not that clear. But she does identify herself as Apollo, Queen of the Sun. So bright. Yeah, hey, praise the sun, you know? But uh, next issue, Four Worlds to Conquer, which takes us directly to Doctor Strange number 23 from June
0: 1977. I just want to point out that the cover of this issue has... A giant ball of worms.
1: Yeah, worm world.
0: It's possibly...
1: No man can escape
0: it alive. The worst world.
1: It's a it's a bad world.
0: It's not great. So,
1: Doctor Strange 23 from June 1977, into the quadriverse. Marv Wolfman, writer-editor, Jim Starlin and Rudy Nevers artists, Joe Rosen-Letterer, Andy Yonches, colorist. Okay, so with Claya secured, uh, Doctor Strange is on the hunt for the bad guys behind that Xander dude from last episode, the Creators. He's tracked them down to the Quadriverse, a four-sectioned a- area of space where life and science bear no relationship to any other part of the known universe. <laughs> and it's the trippiest of trippy universes. It's full of the usual like planets, meteors, disembodied mouths and eyes and stuff, plus a little purple monster guy that's just kind of hanging out yeah it it looks real weird there's rainbows and the whole world is the whole universe is sort of split in four like a quarter like two quarters that are like solid white and two quarters that are solid black with all the space stuff going on with it so this this world is really trippy this issue is extremely trippy and weird and it's hard to follow or recap i'm gonna do my best
0: just saying this is you know still within the era of when Marvel was doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's you can tell here.
1: There's a lot going on. Yeah. So Doctor Strange, sort of traveling across, you know, the usual island islands of rock that float in space in these dimensions, come across a red haired lady who says she's the the guardian of the quadriverse, and Doctor Strange enters her mind and in there finds the same lady strapped to a meteor, hurtling towards this big guardian monster so dr strange defeats the monster and confronts the guardian lady who says she has no memories and thus dr strange continues through like the quadriverse coming to a castle to a magic castle on another island which is tranquil and nice and that same guardian lady is like sitting at a pool there but then a knight shows up who, like, rides a buzzard and runs away with the woman, uh, like, on the back of the buzzard. Oh, sweet. I love Joust. It's, it's super-duper Joust, guys. <laughs> so they ride into space, and Strange gives chase, and is then attacked by these worm worlds from the cover, who which are basically kind of these, you know, these big planets they got big tentacles out it that try to grab and
0: choke Strange. Is there, it's very different from what the cover showed. Like the cover is actually actual worms. These kind of look like roots shooting out from these planets.
1: I agree. Yeah, they look way cooler on the cover than they do in the actual body of the comic. Yeah. Which is a bummer. But still, Doctor Strange destroys the worm worlds completely using his magic and feels instantly bummed out about it because he's sworn to never take a life. And these worm, wor- worm worlds... Though they be gross, are still alive.
0: You know, he didn't really have this problem when he killed the planet last time.
1: Man, it was him, or it was him, or that—it was him or that thing, that Venus flytrap dude. I don't know. <laughs> so Strange lands on another planet and has a showdown with a bird knight, and he punches the bird knight in the face so hard that the knight—that the knight just becomes an empty suit of armor. Meanwhile, the guardian lady has been carried off to like the underworld of the planet by some root men. Like guys made out of roots, basically. And Doctor Strange destroys them with more magic and feels bad about it again. And with them, sort of the rest of the planet that they're on. It's, I don't know, man. Um, but so eventually, Strange and the Guardian end up on the final island floating in space where there's a bunch of just kind of regular people living. And they explain that there's an or a deal that goes with the Quadraverse, right? You go through it, you save the Guardian, and then you become the Guardian yourself. And if someone comes through and saves you when you're the Guardian, then you could come live on this sweet space island. I don't know, Drew.
0: It sounds like a raw it's, deal.
1: It's weird, and I don't understand. Yeah. But so, in the end, Doctor Strange rejects the the offer of guardianship and instead continues on to confront the Masters. And as he sees the new Guardian of the Quadriverse, which is like a newborn baby just floating there in space, and like, fair enough, but I don't understand, I don't understand this is comic. Yeah. It's very weird.
0: It's very out there. They were, because, you know, Marvel was doing stuff.
1: I mean, I don't want to blame, I feel like... I don't want to just say, "Oh no, it's not me; it's them." Because I'm not on acid, I don't get it. But I, I, don't want to do that. But I feel like this series—I feel like this series is greatly is greatly improved if you're sort of
0: mentally altered and thus making different kinds of connections with your brain and stuff. If you know what I mean. Considering we're a family-safe podcast, I'm not going to say what those things are. No, oh, it's okay. It's, it's drugs, all of the drugs. Yeah, it's definitely drugs. So let's go to
1: the next issue, Doctor Strange 24 from August 1977. A change cometh. Jim Starlin, writer. Al Milgram, artist. Rudy Nebras, inker. Annette Kowecki, letterer. Janice Cohen, colorist. Archie Goodwin, editor. So this issue starts with Doctor Strange at the doorway that lead to the domain of the creators, the bad guys that have been hassling us for the last couple issues. You know, the ones behind that Xander guy who's just kind of disappeared, and Clea's resulting amnesia.
0: What a bunch of jerks.
1: Yeah. Uh, they also, they, they, and both they and Doctor Strange really play up the point that uh, his actions in the Quadriverse are different than how Doctor Strange normally acts. They make a big deal that he's being, like, savage and careless instead of his usual thoughtful and precise self. So file that away, basically. Sure. Yeah, just keep it in mind. So we then listen to the creators' discussion, and we kind of learn their plan a little bit. They're working a spell that will create a new universe using the power of a magical item called the Cosmic Wheel of Change. So outside the door of the creators... Doctor Strange pauses like he doesn't go straight through the door, because he also has noticed his new savage nature and is freaked out by it. He thinks about trying to ferret out the problem, but decides the threat of the creators is too great and attempts to open the magic door, but is engulfed by pain and darkness. Meanwhile, (laughs) back at the Sanctum Sanctorum, uh, Clea and Wong are watching his progress through the Eye of Agamotto. When Apollo, the yellow-skinned girl, barges in, sheds her burgundy jumper, and reveals her crazy superhero form. With hair of fire and a ridiculous angular angular dress, her magic compels Clea to tell her what Doctor Strange is up to. And Apollo then teleports away to help the magician. At the same time, the creators tell us more of their plan. And how they intend to replace the stars in the sky with their own bodies. And then they'll be the stars.
0: That's really weird. I guess. Uh, I mean, yeah, sure. If that's your plan, then go for it.
1: I didn't know stars were so inherently powerful. I mean, obviously they're inherently powerful because like giant fusion bombs that lasted for a million years and stuff. Yeah.
0: But I didn't know that was the ultimate goal of sorcerers, I guess, until now. Sure. Okay. Become giant fusion bomb in space. All right. Great. I'm down with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, that, it doesn't seem like it's going to hurt anybody.
1: Uh, we'll see. Meanwhile, Doctor Strange is still magically pounding on the doors to the, creator com- to, to the creator's dimension when suddenly it flies open and in something I think is really hilarious, a huge green monster covered in eyeballs on stocks comes out like, Hey, keep it down out there. Hey, man, stop knocking on my door. Yeah. I got work in the morning. Exactly. He's Visa Majoris, the divider of soul. And under the baleful gaze of his various eye stalks and stuff, splits Doctor Strange into a thousand different pieces, each one facet of his personality and each one individually incredibly weak. All seems lost as he begins to destroy the pieces of Doctor Strange one by one. When Apollo goddess of the sun, arrives and destroys Visimajoris. Good times. Apollo then explains the creator's plans to Doctor Strange and reveals that underneath her yellow skin, she is literally the sun. Sure. And apparently the stars don't want new competition. Okay.
0: I mean, yeah. all of this makes sense. Why not? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so the two uh, jump through the now open door to Dimension of the Creators, and there's a big magic fight. All right. Yeah. Uh, it's... Uh, Dr. Strange and Apollo versus all the creators, and things are going pretty well, actually. Until Dr. Strange makes a move for the cosmic wheel of change, and with his new savage nature, he destroys the wheel. Which, you know, is a good job, right, Drew? Uh, yeah, sure. Wrong! Oh, no. The plan was actually run the wheel backwards and undo the creator's change. Now, instead, those changes are permanent. They've won. Apollo basically spends an entire page of the comic yelling at Dr. Strange for messing up. <laughs> and the world dissolves around them. I mean,
0: it's very much along the lines of, like, you, dude, you screwed up bad. Like, real, real bad.
1: There's a good, she
0: says, what
1: have you done three times in increasingly uh, quieter. Like, what have you done? What have you done? What have you done? It's really good. Like that Yeah, it's really good. good. Yeah. It's good. Good yelling at. <laughs> And with this, we go to Doctor Strange number 25 from October 1977. Doctor Stranger Yet. Greatest of titles. Yep. Uh, Jim Starlin's script, Al Milgram and Pablo Marco's art, Alan Kupperberg letters, Sam Cato colors, Archie Goodwin editor. So uh, Doctor Strange starts out, you know, as he does, drifting through space in the former hideout of the creators. He's wracked by guilt. For messing everything up, as Clea and Wong appear to help him out.
0: Well, I don't know, it's going to take him a while to recover from this because he kind of sort of screwed up the universe. So
1: yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So Clay and Wong show up, sort of they to help him out, but it's obviously too late. Here's the deal: the creators have become the stars, like bodily, each one is now a star in the sky. Sure. Meanwhile, their dimensional hideout is full of the inert the inert bodies of the people who used to be the stars. There's a lot of them.
0: Well, yeah, there's a lot of stars up in...
1: Yeah, so Doctor Strange sort of pulls them all out. They're all, like, unconscious, basically. And he puts them in orbit around a random planetoid and entrances them so they can't make trouble. That's just this huge, like, basically ring around a planet of just sort of unconscious former star people. The universe's biggest conga line. Exactly. Uh, Then he decides to finally go about the business of figuring out why he's been such a jerk recently with the savagery and stuff. He literally reaches into himself like Kali Ma style and he pulls out that uh, purple gremlin guy we saw at the start of the quadriverse adventure that has apparently melted, melted into his body, making him savage. Not cool, gremlin. I don't appreciate it. So Dr. Strange says, all right, so I got this gremlin out. Uh, We got to figure out what to do about these stars. Let's go home. But Clea and Wong reveal that uh, there might not be a home to go home. There, there might not be a home to.
0: And thus, the Earth was destroyed yet again. That's right, fifth time. That's a good series. All right, so
1: Doctor Fate. <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, apparently when the cosmic wheel was destroyed, Earth exploded into pieces, and Wong and Claire were just able to teleport away to the Quadriverse to meet up with Doctor Strange just the last minute. But you know, Doctor Strange, he's a dude. He decides to uh, he wants to check it out for himself. They all fly back to Earth. And it looks like things might be okay, actually, for a second, like Earth's there, New York City's there, all that stuff. But, oh, my God, it's full
0: of furries. Okay, so New York, what's the big deal? I don't see it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least, diff- you know, it's it's just everyone in New York is now some kind of half-man,
0: half person. Half okay, it's, it's New York. What, what of it?
1: Yeah, yeah. On the first page is, like, a horse guy dragging a car around, there's a moose lady, there's a lizard dude crawling out of the sewer, there's a couple like, there's a bird lady, I guess. Uh, Everybody's half a man, half animal. It's ridiculous. Um, So, Doctor Strange disguises Clea and Wong and himself as lions, and they walk back to the sanctum, even though... As soon as they walk out onto the street, apparently everyone instantly recognizes Doctor Strange. Eventually, though, they make it back to the Sanctum, and they start to plan their next move. But as they do, they're interrupted by the Sanctum's new master, Doctor Stranger Yet.
0: Oh, man. It's
1: Warthog Doctor Strange. Yeah. It's so awesome. It's just a a big bipedial warthog with a Doctor Strange shirt and cloak and stuff. Looks pretty rad. It's dope. I'm a big Doctor Stranger Yet fan. Like that's that, that's just a fact. But so anyhow, uh, Doctor Strange and Doctor Stranger Yet have a big wizard fight, yep. but they're evenly matched because they're just sort of alternate reality versions of each of themselves, you know. Doctor Stranger Yet totally punches out Wong. It's true. Take that Wong. That's sad. <laughs> I feel bad for Wong punched out by a by a warthog. But Claya uh, manages to turn the tide of the wizard fight, and Doctor Stranger Yet is restrained, and the issue ends with. Stephen Strange, the original one, lamenting the fate of this new world and wishing that his old master, the Ancient One, was there to help him out. He'll soon get his wish. In Doctor Strange, number 26, The Return of the Ancient One. (laughs) Ha ha, apt. Jim Starlin, Layout and Story. Rudy Nebra's Finished Art. Annette Kuecki, Letterer. Janice Cohen and Phil Raish Colorist. Archie Goodwin, Editor.
0: So this issue opens with a big recap, which makes sense when you kind of consider all the crazy business that's been happening in the past couple issues.
1: Yeah, and the, like it's been like a year, literally. Yeah. Like art, like Xander Z- Z- showed up in like December 1976, and now it's December 1977. You know, good year. It's all right. <laughs> but so Stephen interrogates Doctor Stranger yet, but doesn't get any useful information about the creators. But he does learn that there is one. Another power at work beyond the creators, known as he who stands in light and darkness. And, most importantly, his old master, the Ancient One, is no longer one with the universe, but instead in corporeal form somewhere in New York City. Now Dr. Strange is off to find him. And it goes pretty quick, actually. Dr. Strange tracks the Ancient One, the Bowery neighborhood of New York, where all the winos live, apparently. And that's important because Doctor Strange, because uh because the Ancient One is now in fact a wino.
0: Sure, makes sense.
1: Yeah. Apparently alcohol stops the transformation from human to furry. So the ancient one has just been kind of sitting in an alley, magically creating cheap rot gut, pounding booze until Doctor Strange found it. So standard New York stuff. Got it. The ancient one's about that life. You know? <laughs> he he also kind of explains how the reforming of the universe why the creators messed it up, messed the universe up so much that he could no longer be one with it, which is pretty funny. And as he sort of does this, they're attacked by a quartet of bad guys from the creators. Oh, no. Oh, man. Yeah. There's a witch lady. There's a griffin guy.
0: A skeleton dude.
1: Yeah, with devil horns. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. And a floating then, eye. Yeah, it's just a floating eye blasts you with eye beams. Yep. <laughs> Um So Doctor Strange and the Ancient One are able to defeat these guys pretty ably. You know, it's good times. After the fight, there's a pretty funny part where, um, and that's very comic book, I think, where the Ancient One kind of talks about how his corporeal form is like all, all old and frail. But the picture of him as he says this, like he's got a huge like six pack and like he's cut to shreds, basically. Yeah, sure. Like, oh, old and
0: frail. No, dude, looks pretty
1: ripped. Like he could kick your he could kick your butt yeah. if you wanted to. But it's it's only only in comic books can you have a six pack and talk and talk about being frail and people believe you, you know.
0: Yeah, old and frail. I'm not able to destroy an entire solar system.
1: Yeah. So anyhow, uh, the Ancient One opens a portal and leads Doctor Strange to the person behind all this junk. The In-Betweener. Who the heck is the In-Betweener, Drew? Uh,
0: we'll, he's a dude who is black and white.
1: Yeah, we'll find out more next issue. <laughs> In Doctor Strange 27 from February 1978, I, the In-Betweener, uh, Roger Stern writer, Tom Sutton Penciler, Ernie Chan Inker... Bruce Patterson letterer, Irene Vartanoff colorist, Archie Goodwin editor. So two big things about the creative team before we start. Uh, This is Roger Stern's first time on Doctor Strange, and he'll work it on and off for the next uh, few years. But he'll really have a golden age writing for Doctor Strange during the 80s. So just keep an eye out for the name, kind of FYI. Also, while Archie Goodwin continues to edit Doctor Strange, all over in Marvel, there's a new boss in town. Is this the, fir- is this the first comic we've seen with Jim Shooter as editor-in-chief? Dun-dun-dun. All right, so who the heck is the in-betweener, Drew? Uh, Basically, <laughs> he's the concept of balance personified by a guy, half jet black and half pure white, wearing boots, and one of those little short bathrobes like uh, Zap Brannigan wears.
0: Maybe it's made out of... Which a, are also... Maybe it's made out of a rover.
1: Yeah, definitely made of velour, <laughs> and also half black and half white, so he kind of looks like he looks like the middle two tiles of like a checkerboard or something. Yeah, like that, something like basically. that. Yeah. So he, in turn, was created by the personified concepts of order and chaos to be their representative in offering Adam Warlock a chance to be the avatar of life to counterbalance Thanos, the avatar of death. Uh, it didn't go so great. <laughs> It drove Adam Warlock crazy, and there was a bunch of stuff. We'll get more into it during the Infinity Gauntlet when we get to the 90s, I promise oh, you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, since then, the Inbetweener has been looking for other ways to bring balance to the universe. He finally settled on the creators, who are apparently a band of sorcerers from across time and space, and teaming up with them to make them into the stars, all that stuff. Uh, the in-betweener reveals that the cosmic wheel of change is still around, and agrees to take doctor strange to it i just want to say that like all this in-betweener stuff is really cool like this whole comic actually has a lot of good force perspective things and crazy stuff i'll get i'll I'll get into more later but so basically they go to the wheel but the wheel is not unprotected it's guarded by stigaro the ancient sorcerer supreme who menaced doctor strange Back when, uh, Clea was being stolen by Ben Franklin last episode. <laughs> it's rematch time! Time for a big wizard fight! Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, and this fight gets weird fast, because Stigaro tries to break Doctor Strange's mind by turning him two-dimensional, which is a weird threat, I guess, to use against a comic book character who's inherently only in two dimensions, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, anyhow, uh... At, so as one of the creators, Stigaro is now a living star and incredibly powerful. And like, you know, the flames of the Thalatine are no match against the nuclear fire of being a, a freaking star, you know. But Doctor Strange is able to outsmart Stigaro, apparently, by turning, by causing him to go nova and reducing him to a black hole and become like inert and unable to do magic and stuff. Which, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Dr. Strange tosses tosses ble- the black hole Stigaro at the cosmic wheel and attempts to destroy it again, but it has no effect. Strange then goes to try to attempt to change the workings of the wheel to bring back the world as he once knew it. But the in betweener stops him, as crappy and twisted as the world is now, uh, Betweener says... Essentially, <laughs> it has also achieved a perfect balance of life and death, uh, and thus sh- should be preserved. Okay. Doctor Strange disagrees. He's like, "You can't be serious." And the in-between is like, "I am completely serious." It is pretty funny. Um, and so they uh, start to have a big fight for the fate of all existence. As they begin, the sign of the Ankh appears on Doctor Strange's head. Oh no. His life is in true danger. After the break, Strange saves the universe. Or, in-betweener triumphant, which will it be? And we're at the halfway point of the episode. Drew? Yes? What do you think of the solo Strange so far? I think it's pretty out there, but still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think you do have to kind of be on drugs or something to really kind of get a... Really understand what's going on, I think. Yeah, you
0: definitely... you. This definitely requires an altered state, but the art is really amazing throughout. No, it's um, it's definitely reminiscent of like the old uh, Ditka backgrounds, and, like yeah. spacescapes. Yeah, there's just a ton of spacescapes and there's some crazy
1: uh, perspective stuff that's very cool. It's pretty awesome, and it's very it's just very trippy and interesting, which is which is definitely not bad. Like I'm I'm in favor. Of it, it.
0: It's something you can like uh, you know a a Doctor Strange artist can really aspire to. Yeah. Absolutely. Not that I'm going to sing the praises of the most recent Doctor Strange series again. I mean,
1: you know, we'll we'll get to it eventually. Oh, I know for 2018, Conrad and Drew, oh, you
0: know? so far away.
1: <laughs> All right, and with that, we'll be back after a short break. The conclusion of this storyline, then some sweet guest star action with freaking Ghost Rider. Oh man. He's super relevant right now. Always. And then more Defenders stuff, because everybody loves the Defenders. Yeah, they're not, see you, they're not the biggest group of jerks ever. See you in a bit.
0: Diamonds on the water at 5 o'clock.
1: Lie around in tangled knots Pulling your picture from a cardboard box I'll forget
0: you not Forget you not I don't want to change a thing when there's magic I don't want to change a thing when there's magic
1: and we're back I'm Conrad, he's Drew and we are Stranger by the Dozen let's continue on and finish up the fight, the showdown between the in-betweener and Doctor Strange fate like a wheel Roger Stern writer Tom Sutton penciler Ernie Chan inker John Costanza, letterer, Janice Cohen, colorist, Archie Goodwin, editor. All right, final battle and the finale for this storyline. And it's kind of a quick one because it's mostly just wizard fighting. As the in-betweener and Doctor Strange basically taking turns how outclassed the other is. The in-betweener starts out on top early. He shows off his total control of reality, threatening not just Doctor Strange's life, but his very sanity. Only the intervention of the Ancient One, Clea, and Wong reminds Strange of the depths of his power and allow him to fight back against the monochromatic man concept that is the In-Betweener. <laughs> uh, Strange ends up appealing directly to the forces of chaos and order, managing to instantly banish the In-Betweener to parts unknown. Apparently, Doctor Strange's encounter with death back during the, the Silver Dagger arc let him know that actually the earth, the, de- the life-death balance of our reality was just fine. <laughs> and so he sort of tattles on the in-betweener to his creators, and the in gets destroyed, basically. Uh, so Dr. Strange works his magic on the cosmic wheel, returning the Earth to as it once was, which means that we're now at a grand total of five for the Earth being destroyed and then remade in the course of this podcast. <laughs> Um, it kind of goes quick, but actually, this fight has some really great art. I think. No, oh, it has, like, has some
0: fantastic art associated in this fight.
1: Just there's some there's some really neat stuff done with like perspective, where like some guy's hand will be in the foreground and be really big, and the rest of them will be small and stuff. There's a, uh, a like Doctor Strange mandala when he um, banishes the betweener,
0: Like it's like four Doctor Stranges sort of like joined at the waist in different directions it, and stuff. It's, it's very neat. It's pretty cool looking. Yeah, and but with the okay and like the in betweener getting folded into space like multiple times and on the same page yeah. it's so cool looking. Yeah, it's really neat
1: art wise. I w- you know the story's sort of uh, whatever, but it's it's it's, it's 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 very nicely supported by the excellent art. Uh, but so with the in betweener beaten, Doctor Strange returns to the Sanctum just in time to see the Ancient One shed his physical form and return to being one with the universe. Also, we learned that with the power to remake the whole universe, Doctor Strange is not only once again Sorcerer Supreme, but he always was, even though it was seemingly stripped from him. Woohoo! Next time on Doctor Strange, He Who Stalks, possibly the most offbeat, strange story in 14 years. <laughs> but that's for next episode. Let's move on to some sweet death starring roles and Defenders stuff. Yeah. And we go to Ghost Rider, volume 2, number 29, from April 1978, Deadly Pawn. Roger McKenzie, writer. Don Perlin, penciler. New York Tribe is the inkers. George Russo's colorist. Peter Iro and Gene Simek letterers. Archie Goodwin, editor. Ghost Rider! As a 90s kid, Ghost Rider's always near and dear to my
0: heart. No, yeah, totally. I mean, he's... He's a dude with a flaming skull riding around in a motorcycle. A flaming motorcycle. How How is that not awesome?
1: <laughs> it is, for the most part, even when it's currently uh, just Johnny Blaze, the original Ghost Rider. Right. And uh, this version, he lacks a lot of the supernatural stuff that makes the uh, 90s Ghost Rider so awesome. Don't worry, though. This podcast will deal with 90s Ghost Rider extensively once we get to it. <laughs> Um, For now, though, we're blazing with the Blaze, and the big thing that's different for him is that he's still Johnny Blaze in Ghost Rider form. He's not, like, a different character as the Spirit of Vengeance and stuff, and so it sort of becomes this thing, like, when the start of this comic where he's in Ghost Rider form, but he's performing at a carnival, like, using his flaming motorcycle to jump over some big gorge or something like that. Hey, man, being a superhero doesn't pay the bills. It's true, man. You've got to back it up with your stunt performances. Not
0: everybody's a billionaire like Tony Stark.
1: Yeah, and even that's fraught with perils, as we learned in that uh, some of the Serpents uh, story. Yeah. But so, as he's jumping the gorge, Johnny Blaze slash the Ghost Rider suddenly blinks out of existence and teleports into the dungeon of... Dr. Strange? Huh? Nah, not really. We quickly learn that we're seeing an illusion created by the Dread Dormammu who's back for the first time in a long time, actually. Yeah, it, is, his last, his, it has been a while. Yeah, I think he's last on in, like, 1976 or something like yeah. that. And his plan, and he's created an illusion of Doctor Strange to rile up Ghost Rider, so Ghost Rider will kill Doctor Strange. And Dormammu, in this series of comics, is drawn in a really jolly fashion. <laughs> he looks like a, a happy jack-o'-lantern instead of, like, the personification of evil. Oh, it's
0: a happy jack-o'-lantern with, like, a, a ski mask on?
1: Yeah, it's like... Exactly, it's like a or like a uh, happy jack o' lantern that's grinning as it burns. Yeah, yeah. Basically. but it's still like his face is just like a big like smiley face basically. But so this issue's kind of quick because it's just it's just a, a bunch of pages of of Phantom Doctor Strange sort of messing with Ghost Rider. He uh, sort of tosses him into a bunch of different scenarios, like we see Ghost Rider's girlfriend being burned at the stake, but. By Doctor Strange, but then after Ghost Rider saves her, it turns out to be a demon that, like, tries to kill him. And then go, then more Doctor Strange is sort of, like, uh, blasting him from the air as Ghost Rider tries to drive around and stuff. And, you know, just generally, it just keeps going on, which I'm not really a fan of, I think. This comic seems to be sort of trying to get some more time than, than it really should need, you know?
0: Yeah, it's just, it needlessly is, like, messing with Johnny Blaze. Like, one or two things would definitely be enough to justify the
1: standard, um, superhero disagree, you know, misunderstanding. Now we have to fight
0: situation that they're going for, you know, uh, maybe like Dormammus just try- really trying to get him riled up. I mean, it's certainly possible. Eventually he does teleport ghost Rider to
1: Dr. Strange's front door and it's fight time next issue. <laughs> so we go to ghost Rider 30 from June, 1978 the mage and the monster Roger McKenzie and Don Perlin script co-plotters and art Jim Mooney inks Joe Genevieve's letters Mary Beverage colors and Jim shooter editor so it's finally fight time between actual doctor strange and ghost rider and this story again feels kind of padded just Because there's a lot of flashbacks. There's a lot of, like, retelling of the Ghost Ghost Rider backstory and all this stuff. Um, But anyhow, the Sanctum has been cordoned off by the New York City authorities after Ghost Rider came crashing through the Sanctum's front door. (laughs) And Dr. Strange and Ghost Rider are exchanging energy blasts, ending in Strange opening up a literal pit to hell in the middle of his own library, which he and Ghost Rider then wrestle around the edge of. Sure. Yeah. Meanwhile, Clea is out shopping with Wong and senses Stephen's peril. She rushes to the sanctum and barely manages to shield him from Ghost Rider's death blow. This buys Doctor Str- Strange enough time to astral- astrally enter Ghost Rider's brain, which I think is the third time he's entered someone's brain this episode.
0: Yep, totally is.
1: Inside the Ghost Rider's mind, Strange both recounts the Ghost Rider's backstory... And in sort of like, I don't know, like the cloudy chambers of of Ghost Rider's brain, he uh, finds Dormammu and like the spirit of Johnny Blaze, basically. So, Doctor Strange is about to have a big magic showdown with Dormammu inside Ghost Rider's... inside Johnny Storm's head. So he teleports Johnny Storm's personality away to safety. But safety turns out to be relative. So now... Johnny Blaze's mind is inside Doctor Strange's body as a berserk Ghost Rider bears down on him. Meanwhile, in Ghost Rider's brain, Dormammu and Doctor Strange fight for survival. There's a lot going on. Dude's going to
0: have a headache after this.
1: Seriously. And with that showdown about to start, we go to Ghost Rider 31 from August 1978. Demon's Range. Uh, Roger McKenzie and Dan Pearl. Perlins script, co-plotters and art, Bob Layton inks, Joe Genevieve's co- uh, letters, Mary Beveridge colors, Jim Shooter editor. Uh, I don't know who's responsible, but Ghost Rider has eyeballs in this issue, and it's terrible. Yeah,
0: it's really weird. It's kind of looks like Red Skull <laughs> a little bit. You know, if the skull yeah. is not red.
1: But, like, Ghost Rider's
0: so cool because he's just a skull with, like, flames and eye sockets. You put eyes in those sockets,
1: and he just looks cheesy.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't like it. It it looks like a guy wearing a mask. Yeah, it's bad. Instead of an actual skull, you know? It's bad. But, so this issue is basically two big fights. There's Dormammu and Doctor Strange wizard fighting, basically trading energy beams, inside the head of Ghost Rider. And then there's Ghost Rider and... Johnny Str- Johnny Blaze occupying the body of Doctor Strange, duking it out in the real world.
0: And Johnny Blaze is like, I can't do anything with this body. Yeah, he doesn't know magic. Yeah. So after uh, stripping Doctor Strange down to his bare chest to better
1: fight the flaming skeleton, uh,
0: that yeah, sure, go ahead. That's that's fine. That
1: part's for the ladies. Yeah, uh, Blaze slash Strange manages to hit Ghost Rider hard enough in the face to rock the magical fighters inside Ghost Rider's head which gives Doctor Strange enough of an advantage against Dormammu to carry the day with a mighty spell. Now as I speak the arcane rune, let swirl the raging wind of Watum, and to his own dark world unnamed, may Dormammu be reclaimed. That's basically it, you know, uh, vic- victory strange and Ghost Rider. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, afterwards, a, a ghostly bounty hunter shows up and claims the ghostwriter's soul. But that's for Johnny Blaze to worry about and not our problem. <laughs> Instead, we jump back in time to March 1978 and Defenders, 57. And along came Miss Marvel, Chris Claremont, guest writer, George Tusca and Dave Cockrum, guest artists, Dan Green, inker, Peter Iro Letterer Uh, Francois Moulet, colorist, Jerry Conway, plotter, Archie Goodwin, editor. Hey, so it's back to the Defenders for a couple issues. Hooray! And this one actually starts to a flashback to before the Red Raja um, incident uh, two episodes ago. Uh, While Doctor Strange, Valkyrie, and the Incredible Hulk are chilling in the Sanctum Sanctorum living room, the mysterious head of Miss Marvel appears uh, from the Orb of Agamotto. Angering the Hulk
0: I don't know maybe the Hulk's just not a fan of uh, miss Marvel it's possible
1: yeah. you know it's not clear why it happens uh, everybody gets distracted by doing other stuff instead of investigating and just sort of you know keep it in mind let's move on two we flash forward to Michael Barnett Carol Danvers aka Miss Marvel's psychotherapist who's having a crisis of conscience as she as he watches Miss Marvel fight bad guys on TV he's confronted by an evil-looking dude named Arthur Shaman. And we smash cut to the penthouse of Kyle Richmond, a.k.a. Nighthawk, and Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat, enjoying the night on the town. As they arrive at Richmond's penthouse, they find someone waiting for them. It's Miss Marvel. Hooray. Oh, hey. Yeah. She had a premonition based on her seventh sense. Six wasn't good enough. Yeah. But she, th- she thinks that the Defenders and herself are in danger, and she means to help protect them. Checking back in on uh, Mike Barnett, the psychotherapist of Miss Marvel, turns out that that shaman guy is working for those dastards at AIM, Advanced Idea Mechanics.
0: What a bunch of jerks.
1: Yeah, who are now torturing him to find out Miss Marvel's weaknesses. In this case, they find out that she's afraid of being attacked and killed by the Hulk, which is a reasonable fear.
0: Yeah, in the list of like superhero fears, I would like put that you know pretty reasonable. It's like he's a he's a terrifying giant monster who has who has anchor issues. I mean, you know, it's it's one of the big reasons for Civil War too.
1: It's like being afraid of being hit by a truck. <laughs> like yeah, no, that's a reason. You know, you look both ways because you, if you get hit by a truck. You die it's not like oh she's afraid of balloons and like oh we'll bring some balloons to the fight and we'll be able to take her down or something no it's like, like
0: it's like uh, somebody walking out in the forest and be like well i hope i sure hope i don't get mauled by a bear and like wow that might be
1: ridiculous if you're in the forest and like the park in the middle of a city no i mean like, if you're in like yellow if you're in like y- yosemite and it's bear country yeah. then it's like yeah okay like that's fair perfect there's bears out here perfectly reasonable fears <laughs> anyhow, this is apparently good enough for AIM. They're like, oh, I don't like the Hulk, eh? We can work with that. And so to, they do. They dispatch this uh, buck-toothed kind of bug robot to the Sanctum Sanctorum, it's... where the Hulk, Valkyrie, and Clea are sort of hanging out, keeping Clea company while Doctor Strange is in the quadroverse.
0: It, it's one of the reasons why I question AIM's design choices, because it's a, it's a robot with like a helmet with teeth sticking out of the helmet it just yeah. doesn't make any sense it's got bug teeth and antennae i don't understand i don't understand this design choice
1: it's a ridiculous robot yeah. so uh but hey uh oh we also here get a look at a valkyrie's uh new new costume her second new costume right. which is which is like it's kind of silver and gold and so stuff. i don't mind it actually I, th- I think it's better than her other new costume just the gold gold one piece basically you mean
0: the gold one piece that showed up for like a issue
1: People hated that thing when I was gone. Yeah, I was gone in four (laughs) issues, so it was pretty good. Um, But the Bugbot takes out Bao and Clea pretty easily, then freezes the Hulk and flies off, just as Nighthawk is flying to the Sanctum to check out on the rest of the team. Conveniently, Nighthawk radios back to Hellcat and Miss Marble about the fact that there's this ship leaving an attacked uh, Sanctum Sanctorum, and uh, they all all follow the car back to um, the Ames hidden base. It's funny when he talks when he calls Miss Marvel and Hellcat about um, him finding the ship. They're both reading a, a women's magazine because right. <laughs> I guess Carol Danvers actually writes for a women's magazine. I don't know. It's it's just a weird prop choice for them to be having while they're waiting for their superhero buddy to, to call back
0: in. I mean, I, I I know what like you know current day Carol Danvers does with her free time, but I don't know what like Carol Danvers did back way back. Then. Back in the seventies, she had like a secret identity. Yeah, and. That secret identity was was like kind of
1: Superman-esque as a uh, reporter for like Cosmopolitan, basically. But this is all you know, this is all pre-rogue Carol Danvers and stuff I'll mention. Just if you're keeping track with your Miss Marvel stuff. Anyhow <laughs> <laughs> uh, the trio of Miss Marvel, Hellcat, and Nighthawk make their way to the aim base and start wrecking shop. It's pretty good. Yeah. Miss Marvel reduces the buck tooth robot to a headless wreck. There's a really great picture of just Hellcat just ripping the clothes right off the back of this AIM dude. And then she jumps on the shoulders of that Arthur shaman guy and rides him piggyback face first into a tree, which he hits so hard that he is instantaneously removed from Marvel continuity and will never be heard from again.
0: <laughs> That's a heck of a hit.
1: Yeah. Anyhow, uh, the defenders and Miss Marvel win, and Hulk unfreezes. And we're all set up for the return of Doctor Strange next issue. Hooray! All right. And with that, we go straight to Defenders 58 from April 1978 Xenogenesis, Day of the Demons, Part 1, Agents of Fortune. Which is, man, that's a lot. (laughs) Uh, So, Story, David Anthony Kraft, Art, Ed Hannigan, Inks, Klaus Jansen and Dan Green, Letters, Joe Rosen. Colors, Phil Rache, edited by Archie Goodwin, dedicated to Eric, Bloom, and B.O.C. That's right, Drew. This next whole section of, de- of Defenders Comics is dedicated to and full of Easter eggs for the band Blue Oyster Cult.
0: That's fantastic.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm not a huge Blue Oyster Cult guy. I know the three big songs, you know, uh, Don't Fear the Reaper, uh, Godzilla, and that last one, the Burnin', the burnin for You song but that's about it oh yeah man
0: no blue oyster cult's awesome
1: the other big one i know is that uh the big antagonist in this story is called a vera gemini which is a uh blue Easter cult song and i say whatever <laughs> but just just be aware if you're a blue oyster cult fan you need to read like these four issues of the defenders you really do anyhow we open with dr strange napping in his easy chair in the sanctum sanctorum when suddenly he's attacked by by an, assa- by an assassin in a chicken mask. Get out of here, chicken dude. No one likes you. It's no use, though. The chicken dude beats up Doctor Strange and steals the dang amulet of Agamotto. Dip, it's bad times. That's rough. Yeah. Elsewhere, we check in on the rest of the Defenders, dealing with characters they've met while Doctor Strange was away. Most notably, Dollar Bill, this big bearded guy who, who, who perpetually wears sunglasses and who fancies himself kind of a movie director and uses movie lingo like "sacco" and "bafo" and other things from like the cover of Variety magazine constantly. <sighs> Dollar Bill meets Valkyrie and Bruce Banner at the bedside of another minor Defenders character named Ledge, who is recent who was recently injured in a superhero fight. Dollar Bill invites. Uh, Valkyrie, and Banner out to dinner at the Felix Club, which is basically the copyright-free version of the Playboy Club. See uh, Season 4 of Mad Men or a very swiftly canceled NBC primetime drama for more details. So, as Valkyrie, Bruce and Dollar Bill, with Bruce Banner going by Robert Bruce Banner at the moment, for complex, Stan Lee-related reasons. As they get situated at the restaurant, we overhear a man and a woman talking cryptically about some kind of organization. It's evil cult lady Vera Gemini and troubled superhero Eric Payne, a.k.a. Devil Slayer. The two talk cryptically until Vera reveals that they've acquired the Eye of Agamotto, at which point, Payne suits up in his costume and attacks Vera with his sweet double-bladed axe. Dude suits up fast, and I mean really fast. I think he's got, like, he, he just illusions it. He like, he illusions his suit, you know? like he, he starts out wearing kind of a green business suit, and then he illusions it away so that suddenly he's wearing a full, like, spandex jumpsuit
0: with big gloves and a cowl over his head and a big cape and stuff. Because that would be, like, one of those, like, wait... Wait, I gotta, wait, no, my foot's stuck, but wait, wait. It's hard to put these boots on. Wait, okay, just, can you can you hook my cape in for me? Okay okay, 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 all right, all right, I'm ready, let's do this.
1: Yeah. Anyhow, the Defenders intervene, and they assume that Devil Slayer is the bad guy,
0: because it's a classic superhero team-up situation, basically. Yeah, where they, they fight at the beginning, and then they realize that they have common ground, and then they join up and defeat the real bad guy.
1: Yeah. So, Vera escapes as Val and Devil Slayer go toe-to-toe. Devil Slayer holding his own only because of his enchanted cape, which can like move on its own and stuff. Um, Varus or, or sorry, Valkyrie starts to realize that something might be up with this Vera lady when the Hulk suddenly shows up and smashes Devil Slayer through a wall. It's a, it's a solid Hulk move. It's it's it's, it's your standard Hulk stuff yep. for sure. Just hands coming from behind you without warning, that you're picked up in the air and thrown and thrown through something th- through, through something hard. Basically, <laughs> uh, Devil Slayer gets back up, and as the cops arrive at the restaurant, he uses his cloak to teleport away. First Hulk, then Valkyrie, then himself. Now they're all in the pocket universe of his shadow cloak. Neat. Also, for the record. Jack Norris has been in the background of this issue, trying to break into the Avengers mansion in the hope of contacting Nick Fury. He gets caught in the mansion's many traps and is attacked by the entire Avengers team, which, whatever, this is the last we'll see of Jack Norris in the podcast. Yay!
0: Finally. Beat
1: that guy. Meanwhile, in the jungles of Mexico, a pair of bickering explorers come upon an ancient temple. It's pretty cool, until they are surrounded by a magic glow and disappear. And then Elf with a gun? No. <laughs> Although I, you could imagine that. Oh, you, you could see why
0: that would be appropriate. Oh, it would absolutely be appropriate. Let's talk more about that Elf with the gun thing.
1: Uh, no, it turns out that it's a bunch of cultists, including that bird guy from the start of the issue. Dang it. They are about to do a human sacrifice to bring about the start of Xenogenesis and Doctor Strange has been apparently watching them through, the, uh, through his crystal ball, but turns away as the sacrificial dagger strikes home. Uh, apparently, the demons who once ruled our Earth are now on the move again, using the stolen Eye of Agamotto to perform a mystic procedure called Xenogenesis, the rebirth of the demon race. It's bad news. Next episode... Tyranny and Mutation. And also Nighthawk's new powers.
0: Ooh.
1: I'm excited. And that's all for this week. Drew. Yes. What do you think of the second half of these comics this week? Uh,
0: It seems like pretty standard Doctor Strange stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought Ghost Rider kind of dragged and had some padding a little bit. Like, that could have easily been... That
0: could have been like a single-issue team-up.
1: Yeah, it could have been one or two or even one issue. Yeah. But I'm excited about this new, doc- this, uh, new Defenders storyline. It seems very crazy. Yeah. And it's, and I'm, I'm just hopeful that it seems like like last issue things were, were kind of or last episode, things were kind of rough. I feel like things are, are getting back on their feet in terms of Dr. Strange stuff. So if you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook and Instagram at Stranger by the Dozen, Twitter at Stranger by the 12, at Stranger by the 12, and on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com. During the week, I'll post a bunch of images and quotes from the issues covered this week, so keep an eye out. Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any other podcatching app. And remember, if you leave a five-star review on any platform, I will read it on the show. As always, direct all your problems with Drew to Drew himself on Twitter at NeoOfTheDark. Next week, things get weird as Xenogenesis warps minds and bodies. Then... After traveling to the depths of the sewers and the heights of Atlantis, a few Monster of the Week tales will settle into an extended storyline where Doctor Strange unknowingly fights the mysterious dweller in the dark. Also, apparently someone in Marvel HQ is bringing back issues because we'll see a ton of old guest stars and items, including the captivating Victoria Bentley, the fascinating statue of the Black Knight, and the mesmerizing gem that forms the gateway beyond the purple veil. Silver Dagger returns are the next Stranger by the Dozen. Until then, faithful listener, I say, look, Clea. the true stars once again shine in the heavens. Tis final proof of the creator's defeat. Power? That is the property of the stars, of the storm. A sorcerer's power is his knowledge, and once it is gained, it is never lost. Am I still the Sorcerer Supreme? That is merely a title, my love. A title which others may give, but which no one can ever truly claim. After all, a true Sorcerer Supreme must maintain a modicum of humility. Oh, come, let's get out of this rain. My name is Conrad, and for my buddy Drew, this is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path.